How do you react to the growing tide of the anti-Christian tide in our country today? How do you react when you hear that there are even some Christian students who are keeping their faith secret on campus because they don't want to be persecuted? I don't know how you react. What your reaction would be when you hear that Christians are falsely accused of being bigots and unloving and homophobes and racists. Now, judging from the response I see on the social media, there are two kinds of responses. There, is a, there are those who shrug and say, well, you know, that's just, it's hopeless, it's hopeless, Michael, just give up. Nothing we can do about it. Others say, well, it's prophesied. And then the other reaction, is it an anger? And they want to respond in all sorts of ungodly ways. Both of these reactions are in the natural, not in the supernatural. And furthermore, reacting in the natural does not distinguish the believers from the non-believing world. But we are called to live and function and walk in the supernatural, not the natural. Someone said to me after the last message in the beginning of the series, it is supernatural, and says, living in the supernatural in this increasingly nature-worshiping culture is impossible. I said, absolutely, without Jesus is impossible. Of course. But if you are truly a child of the living God, then you must know that it is your birthright to live in the supernatural. It is your birthright to live in the supernatural. And just before you think I'm making this stuff up, I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Hear what the Word of God said. His divine, His divine, His supernatural power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness. Look at verse 4. Through these, He has given us, watch this, He has given us His very great and precious promises. He's the purpose clause. So that through them we might participate or be partakers of the divine or the supernatural nature of God in order to escape the corruption of this world. In the last message, we began to compare the time of Elisha, and the reason why I chose this particular time in history, to compare the time of Elisha with our time. Why? Because it was a period of time in the life of Israel when the vast majority of the Israelites have abandoned their birthright. They lived and they functioned and they worshiped at the shrine of the natural. We saw then the first lesson that God was trying to teach His people to wake them up to the supernatural birthright that He gave them when they crossed that Red Sea. The man of God was teaching them that for faithfulness, for faithfulness, even though the man was dead, his widow and his children turned a drop of oil into an oil factory. And today, we see something that will make you want to walk out of here on cloud nine. Elisha was a man who stood against the natural current of culture. Elisha was a man who refused to abandon his spiritual birthright. Elisha was a man who wanted his contemporaries not to abandon their spiritual birthright. 
He was God-centered. His life's purpose was the glory of God. His authority was the Word of God. His goals, life goals, is to please God. And that is not surprising, therefore, that he met a lot of opposition. You start living in the supernatural, and you watch out, the enemy is going to go mad, and he's going to attack you. But praise God, he's already defeated. Now, I want to summarize this for you to understand it and comprehend it as a story, as a narrative. Here's what was happening. The king of Syria, when you hear Aram, that's another word, another term for Syria. The king of Syria is forever plotting to attack Israel. And beloved, listen to me, Satan is forever plotting to attack you and your family. Elisha the prophet has been exposing these terrorist plots on the part of the king of Syria before they happen. <laughs> he is exposing them. Consequently, the Syrian army is getting clobbered every time they get clobbered, every time they get defeated, every time the plot is foiled. And that enraged the Syrian king, to say the least. Every time he made a plan to attack the people of God, that plan got foiled. And the king of Syria was getting madder and madder and madder. So the first thing occurs to him, the first thing he thinks about is, we have a mole in the palace. Uh, we have a spy in the palace. We have a deep state in the White House. And so, one of his national advisors, security advisors, must be leaking to the press. And the word gets out before it happened. So he convenes this meeting in the Situation Room. Situation room is so protected, secret apparatus, all they're sitting there were all the generals. They were sitting and they're ready. The king was ready to shoot the culprit. They were not meeting just to discuss. He was ready for revenge. One of his advisors, a courageous guy who dared to speak because he could literally risk his neck, but he dared to speak. He said, Let me tell you what is happening in Israel, king. There's a man of God in Israel. King, there is an Alexa device in your bedroom. <laughs> and listening to everything you say. King, there is a spiritual bugging device throughout your palace. King, the God of Israel is the God of power and might, and He has access to all of your emails and your text messages. King, the God of power and might, is forwarding all of your emails and text messages to his man, Elisha, who's in Israel. <laughs> oh, king, the God of Israel is on your tail. The God of Israel has access to all of your secret correspondence. The God of Israel has um, his man, Elisha, with advanced knowledge of all of your plots. And furthermore, king, our God, the gods of nature, and no match for Yahweh. Baal is trying to help us out, but he's no match for Yahweh. Baal is totally useless before Yahweh. Baal is no match for the God of power and might, the God of Israel. Now, beloved, listen to me. There is a very important principle here. I don't want you to miss it. The devil uses his foot soldiers 
again, it's the true believers. The devil is forever plotting and scheming against God's people. And if you don't believe this, you haven't read the Scripture lately. The devil is trying to mislead and misguide and distorts the truth about God to God's people. The devil is forever trying to destroy the righteous. Oh, but all of his plots will be foiled. All of his plans will be doomed. Satan tries to get God's children to retreat from the battle, but he and his cohort will be totally annihilated soon. Satan uses some misguided people to inflict damage on God's people, but he's all bark and no bite. Because on the cross, Jesus knocked his teeth out. And furthermore, Satan knows that his doom is near, that his demise is clear, and that his destruction is about to appear. And that is why he's stirring up trouble against the Anointed One right now. He's stirring up trouble, seeing it everywhere we turn. He's stirring up trouble. So what does the nature-worshiping king of Israel do? He worships the God of nature. What does he do? Of course, he thinks naturally. He thinks in the natural realm, just like we're seeing people in our secular pagan society today. He sends a large team of special ops. These are the green berets of Syria. And he sends them out in the middle of the night (laughs) to bring one man, one man, the entire army of Syria to get one man. (laughs) Please think with me about the foolishness of the natural mind. If God revealed the secret plots to Elisha, will He not protect him from being abducted? Beloved, listen. I may be a voice crying in the wilderness. Sometimes I feel I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, but I'm going to keep on crying until the Lord takes me home. When you are under the cover of the Almighty, you will be protected. When you are under the shield of faith, you will be victorious. When you are under the shadow of El Shaddai, you will emerge stronger than before. Look at verse 13, 613. Secular paganism can never see beyond the veil, because you see, listen to me, there is a veil beyond which only those who love Jesus, those who are intimate with Jesus can see. It's beyond the veil, beyond the secular. That's what secular means, this natural world. They cannot see beyond the veil. And the tragedy, the tragedy that makes me weep at times is that so many of God's people have ceased to seek to look beyond the veil. Peter said we are participants in what nature? We are partakers in what nature? The divine nature. So many of God's people today are contented to live in the natural So many of God's people today refuse to claim their spiritual birthright. But even so, I want you to just think logically with me. Just think logically. If God reveals His secrets to those who fear Him, will He not protect them eternally? Here's the problem. We don't understand that this is the family secret. It really is. 
Not everyone can comprehend the family secret. So please do not try to explain it to them until God opens their spiritual eyes. The secular, natural mind people can never comprehend the supernatural. The secular, pagan, natural mind can never understand the power of the supernatural. The secular, natural mind people cannot fathom the realm of the supernatural. They cannot understand what it means that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, that the secret of the Lord is with those who are daily in daily intimacy with Him, that the secret of the Lord is with those who have surrendered themselves totally to Him. Listen, make no mistake about it. Satan's motive, just like the king of Syria's motive, is to destroy the faithful. That's not a secret. Paul said of his devices, we're not ignorant. Satan's motive, just like the Syrian king, is to undermine the confidence of God's people in their God. And that is why he is working overtime right now on the so-called Christian leaders. He is working overtime right now, and is causing so many of them to fall like flies. It seems, at least to me anyway, that this not a month that goes by without some famous preacher fall, some famous singer abandon the faith, and Satan is laughing in his sleeve. What is he doing? Listen to me. He's undermining the believer's confidence in God. Let me remind you again about this time in Israel, in this period of history. Israel was not a godly nation at that time. Israel was not fearing the Lord at that time. Israel had been compromising their faith at that time. Israel has been unfaithful to Yahweh. Israel has abandoned the authority of the Word of God. Israel has forgotten its godly heritage. Israel has been running after the gods of nature, just like so many in the church today. Does this sound familiar? Oh, but listen, listen, listen. God is looking to bless the faithful. He really is. God is looking to use the faithful. God is looking to the faithful minority. God is looking for the few who are fearless, who refuse to compromise, and who are willing. Satan, like the king of Syria, he knows that if he can destroy the Christian leadership, the rest of it is going to be a walk in the park for him. Just a walk in the park. Try to destroy the Christian leaders, and then the rest will take care of itself. And so the king of Syria sends mighty army to abduct one man. <laughs> one man! He sends the entire army in the dark of night to get Elisha. Why? Because like Satan, the king of Syria knew that if he could destroy the man of God, he could destroy the nation. Here's what happened. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Please don't miss it. Here's what happened. Elisha had an associate, an assistant. The Bible sometimes calls him servant, but it's more than that. He's supposedly to be his understudy. This man, Gehaziah, was weak-kneed. He had a divided heart, and he had love for material possession. And Elisha's assistant, Gehaziah, sees the Syrian army surrounding the town, and he falls apart. He was terrified. 
His heart was melting. And he says, oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, we're dead, we're dead and done for. Call the undertakers. We're finished. That's a use of translation. That's what he meant. Now, my beloved, my beloved, my beloved, listen to me. You are never finished until God says you're finished. I am never finished until God says I'm finished. Listen to me. Fear is not of God. Fear is Satan's primary tool against believers. Fear is an evil spirit that attacks believers. And if you surrender to it, he will have the upper hand in your life, and you don't want this to happen. Elisha said to his weak Gehaziah, verse 16, Don't fear. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I want you to think with me, okay? Just think with me when you focus on this thing. Uh, probably Gehaziah was thinking, my boss has lost his marbles. He really has. Why? Well, he looks out the window, and he sees the Syrian chariots and the armament and, and soldiers all geared up for battle. <laughs> and he thinks, what do you mean those who are with us are more than those with them? Can you look? Can you see? There's nobody with us, buddy. Nobody's backing us. He was thinking of how you're going to defect and go to the Syrians and be one of them or pretend to be. He sees all of these powerful Syrian armies and he says, Boss, wake up and smell the coffee. Boss, stop living in fantasy land. Boss, be realistic. Boss, get your head out of the clouds. Boss, face facts. Boss, this is natural world, and we need to think naturally. Boss, look at verse 17. Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open the young man's eyes so he may see. Beloved, this should be the prayer of everyone at the sound of my voice. That ought to be the prayer of every believer, not only for ourselves that he would open our spiritual eyes, but open the spiritual eyes of our children and our grandchildren, the spiritual eyes of the next generation, that he may open the spiritual eyes of so many people that we come across every single day, that God would open the eyes of the blind to the truth of his word. And the Lord immediately... Here's Elisha's prayer and answers it. And the eye of Gehaziah is open, the spiritual eyes. And poor old Gehaziah, he looks out there, and behold, the mountain was stacked with chariots of fire. Remember this, skirmishes all around us, but don't ever forget that we already have the victory. We already have the victory. Only the one who refuses to have supernatural eyes cannot see this. And so the band of Syrians, the last verse, ceased from coming to the land of Israel. The rest is really details, wonderful details. Don't miss it. Don't miss it, because you see the grace of God. The grace of God. Instead of killing the Syrians, they fed them. There's something I want you to understand. Please listen to me. People, I don't care who they are, People are not our enemies. Can I get an amen? amen. People, are, no matter what they say about us, no matter what they accuse us, no matter what they do, they're not our enemies. Paul said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spirituality and the power in the heavenly places. 
Satan is our enemy. In fact, I really genuinely ache in my spirit over these people. I really do, because knowing what eternity is awaiting them, it doesn't make me hate them. It makes me love them more. The God of this world blinded their eyes. They can't see. The secret of the Lord with those who fear Him. Say that with me. The secret of the Lord with those who Beloved, there are only two kinds of people. Those who fear God, revere God, honor God, and those who are terrified of God. Only two kinds of people. They're terrified of the day of judgment. They deny it because they're terrified of it. And if you're terrified of God or the day of judgment, you can reverse that now, today. And you can move from being terrified of God to fearing God, making Him to be your best friend in the whole world. Ask the Lord, open my spiritual eyes, open my family's spiritual eyes, open the eyes of those who are blinded by hatred, open the eyes of those who don't know the Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.